You're dealing with hundreds of millions of euros in an extensive property owning uh, family. And yeah, he'll be he'll be treated like anybody else once he gets in that door. The INLA, the, I, the new IRA, uh, were involved in this murky business involving disputed assets that different people wanted to make to lay claim to. I'm Nicola Talent, and you're listening to Crime World, a podcast about criminals, drugs, and the sins of the underworld in Ireland and across the globe. He was the playboy prince of the Celtic Tiger and lived it up in a luxury mansion frequented by top models and socialites. But businessman Jim Mansfield Jr. is now doing porridge with common criminals as he awaits sentencing for perverting the course of justice. Over the course of a year, a sensational trial has heard evidence about a who's who of paramilitaries and organised crime groups brought in by Mansfield to help claw back the family wealth after the economic crash and of the terrifying kidnap of a former employee, now turned state witness. While Mansfield has been found not guilty of false imprisonment, his reputation lies in ruins and from his prison cell, his once gilded life must seem a million miles away. Today, I'm talking to Sunday World Deputy Editor Niall Donald about the incredible tale of the fall of Jim Mansfield Jr., This is Crime World, a podcast from sundayworld.com. What I thought was slightly missed from uh, the headlines and, and all the rest of it about Jim Mansfield Jr. being found guilty of perverting the course of justice and not guilty in relation to the conspiracy to falsely imprison a man was the fact that he's gone to jail. I mean, this is the former playboy prince of the Celtic Tiger era who has lived in luxury all his life. And he spent um, the last few nights banged up like a common criminal. Yes, um, he was. Obviously, his his legal team made an effort to... uh, uh, to, to keep him on bail while he awaits sentencing for the charges. But in fact, he that the, the court didn't accept that and he was taken off to prison um, straight away. So he, he Jim Mansfield, who was obviously coming from a, a position where you're dealing with hundreds of millions of euros in a, in a family that, that an extensive property owning uh, family is mixed in. In I would believe uh, he's on remand, so he's li- he's likely to be in Cloverhill Prison, where remand prisoners are, and yeah, he'll be he'll be treated like anybody else once he gets in that door. Um, he was taken mm-hmm. away. He'll be he'll be brought in. Um, the normal procedure for people when they're brought in um, is that they're they're uh, you know they're obviously searched. They're obviously you know they're they're assessed medically, um, and he'd be sat down and questioned by officers, who do you know? Have you any problems with this person? Any problems with that person? And then he'd be in a cell, possibly probably sharing with other people awaiting uh, either trial or or sentencing on serious criminal charges. So you're talking the classic sort of from the the TV, the bunk bed scenario and uh, uh, a loo in the corner. Yeah, more or less. I mean, unless there's some security assessment that 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 leads him to be left in on his own, 
But yeah, I mean, ironically, I suppose Clover Hill, which is off uh, in West Dublin, not a million miles away from City West, you know, mm. not too far anyway, in the general direction, um, where he would have grown up um, or would have certainly come to, as an adult, would have lived in a sort of unimaginable luxury for most of us. Yeah, an interesting point, because while they would be geographically close together, they're a million mi- million lifetimes away, really, aren't they? And miles away, like, so, you know, pre-2011, when all this trouble started, and we'll, we'll get into that in a minute, but just to set the scene before then, um, the Mansfield family were obviously, you know, some of the richest, probably the richest family in Ireland, Um And the father, Jim Mansfield Sr., had supposedly made all his wealth from selling old machinery and then built up a property portfolio. Um, The sons in particular, PJ Mansfield and Jim Mansfield Jr., were sort of socialites, boys about town, always hanging out with models. And I think Jim Mansfield Jr., pre-2011, before everything went wallop, was living in the absolutely stunning Palmerstown house. Have you ever been out that way? I have. I mean, it's 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 it is stunning. Um, and you know, obviously, uh, Jim Mansfield Senior would have come from a modest background, um, not 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 a inherited wealth. Um, he would have uh, had, you know, a, a checkered past to an extent, but he was a, one of a group of 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 men uh, who made an absolute fortune during the Celtic Tiger on property. Um, these people were, were coming from modest backgrounds, as I said, and all of a sudden, as, mm. as, as it spiralled, they were all of a sudden, they were making millions. Um, and Jim Mansfield Jr. would have grown up with access to that wealth. Um, he would have, you know, a lot of um, the Mansfields were in and out of the papers, you know, in the early 2000s. Mm. But I suppose Jim Mansfield Jr. really came to prominence um, due to his relationship with, with, with Katie French, who tragically died of a, a drug overdose. Um, Katie French was one of those people who uh, became, you'll remember it as well, she just became mm. famous overnight. Um, there was, you know, a, a, an incident involving a, a, a row in a, in a, in a restaurant uh, over a photo shoot. But she was just one of them people who was in the papers every day. And that's that's really where Jim Mansfield um, started to have a, a, a national profile, which I don't think he was happy yeah. with. No, and he was in Palmerstown House at that point when he was dating her. Now, he has kind of always denied he was dating her and said that there was, it was all blown up out of all proportion. But uh, she certainly would have been knocking around in those circles with him. And there was a jacuzzi on the roof of that house where there used to be champagne parties and chauffeurs would collect models and bring them to the house. And he had uh, a collection of unusual animals out on the grounds of it. I remember seeing the... The llamas. Llama. Yeah, the llamas. Mm, I think, I think he, gorgeous. And he was photographed, I think, with them at one stage. Uh, was he? I think so. But I mean, yeah, the llamas were, uh, you know, they weren't a, a common sight in, in West Dublin, I don't think. Yeah, it's some sort of an ostrich thing as well because it it, it went to later went to Finstown House with them and it would come over and 
have a little chat with you at the fence. But I always, I'm never really that trusting of those things. No. With their little pea brains and their huge bodies. No, um, no. That's an aside. That's nothing that to do with Jim Mansfield. No, no, no. no. Um, anyway, so all was going swimmingly well with the money and the property portfolio. And then, bang, 2011, the crash and the Mansfield uh, assets and wealth went into receivership and they owed 200 million euro to the banks. Yeah, so I mean, um, Jim Mansfield Sr. was, you know, he was obviously uh, the property developer. He was very well known. He was a very... uh, Associated with Fianna Fáil, he was a huge donor to the party and attended their ordeshes. He was, he was probably a classic uh, self-made builder of the time who who made a fortune but invested a fortune as well. Um, got in debt up to their eyeballs. In reality, yeah, they overstretched themselves, didn't they, they? They overstretched themselves. I mean, there was the, the money was flowing and it looked like it was never going to end. And of course, uh, better people than. And me or you predicted it was going to go on forever, but of course uh, it didn't. And you know, we'll all remember that time that there was there was some people who survived it, but there's some people who ended up massively in debt because of personal mm. personal you know uh, guarantees they'd given. Um, and uh, Jim Mansfield Senior went from being a, an amazingly wealthy person to being an amazingly indebted person in a very rapid space of time. Mm. And this is really where the the story begins that 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 ended in some some way this week when when Jim Mansfield was found guilty in the special criminal court and and sent to jail where he awaits sentencing on that charge. But what the special criminal court heard during his very lengthy trial was evidence from a man called Martin Byrne, a former employee at the Mansfield Group. He was initially employed by Jim Mansfield Sr. and was elevated to basically head of security out at City West. Um, Now, Martin Byrne is in the witness protection programme and was giving evidence on behalf of the state. And over the course of uh, a number of days and under very heavy cross-examination, I have to say I sat through a bit of that, uh, which lasted for days, he told a story basically of how Jim Mansfield Sr. and Jr. together um, decided that they needed to, re, re, you know, recoup some of their assets. And they picked, after after everything went into receivership, obviously, and they picked three particular um, assets. One was Finstown House Hotel. One was a number of properties around the Sagart area identified that they 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 wanted back. And the third was a thing called Paddy Riley's Field, and that really caused all the trouble. Um, So Byrne basically said that they hatched a plan that uh, an old business partner of Mansfield Senior would come in. He would find an investor, buy these three assets, sort of hold on to them as such was the understanding, and then sell them back to the Mansfields when they could raise the funds. And there was a a, sort of an agreement in place, which Byrne sort of described as a somewhat of a gentleman's agreement, but a bit more than that. Um, And so it went. And uh, then things went 
completely and utterly pear-shaped amid allegations that people reneged on promises and uh, refused to sell back those properties when the, the time came. Yeah, so Pat, uh, Paddy Riley's field was, um, you know, it was it was connected or close to Finstown House. And, um, it, you know, as, as we continue to see that those areas in, in or around that, all of a sudden they could be, because if once they're zoned for residential use, they become uh, hugely valuable. And this was... Um, Jim Mansfield Jr. and Jim Mansfield Sr. wanted to hold on to this field and, and felt it was a way to, to, to get out of their, their financial troubles. Um, however, things went awry um, because other people were claiming money that, 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 that the Mansfield owed the money and they also wanted to make a claim on this, on this field. Um, so according to the evidence given in court, um, in order to, to, to protect themselves, Dissident figures, dissident Republican figures became involved in the situation. Yeah, and basically Martin Burns' evidence was at times confusing and the story is definitely not straightforward. But he gave evidence that basically, um, now this must have been pre-2012, that at one point Jim Mansfield Jr., he says, was paying protection money to Alan Ryan. He gave evidence that at another point, Nathan Kinsella, um, who who is a convicted criminal, was using Tassagart House as almost an office. He was in and out so often. He gave evidence that the uh, members of the new IRA, later the INLA and other groupings were all being paid and were being brought in by Mansfield Jr. to help him in his businesses, to protect him against traveller gangs in particular who were putting the push on him for money and to help him sort of strong arm back these assets, which were were kind of at stalemate with these, these business partners. He wanted them back and he was prepared to, according to Byrne, uh, take any measures necessary. So that was what was going on. And it was incredible to think that the likes of, I mean, it was like a who's who from, uh, you know, paramilitary circles, the names that were coming out during the uh, this, this court case. Like Alan Ryan just remind us for a start who he was. Well, I mean, I think three of the names... Um that, that that came out. So there's Alan Ryan, Desi O'Hare, and Declan Wacker Duffy. And you can't you can say without a doubt that those three are three of the most dangerous, prominent, and notorious uh, dissident figures that have existed um, in the last thirty years. Um, so Alan Ryan um, was a Alan Ryan was was killed in in 2012. Um, but Alan Ryan was the head of the real IRA, basically in, in Dublin. He was a guy from from uh, the north side of Dublin. Um, Alan Ryan came to pro- he he previously been served a prison sentence for being involved in a real IRA weapons camp. But he came to prominence after he came out. Um, Alan Ryan, uh, you know, at the point at which he came out of prison, the real IRA were effectively a dying force in Dublin city. But he rejuvenated it, you could say, and he became heavily involved in extorting money from criminal gangs. And um, he he 
built up a, a fierce uh, array of enemies um, was involved. His his gang were involved, for example, in the murder of Micah uh, uh, Kelly, also known as the Panda, one of the, the most notorious uh, drug dealers in the city. Um, so Alan Ryan was, a, a, you know, probably the most, in his day, was probably the most feared man in Dublin. Um, uh, Desi O'Hare probably needs no introduction to anybody as the Border Fox um who was also, um, you know, you can look back at Desi O'Hare's, it's probably, it, it's a podcast in itself, Nicolás, you'll know. But uh, most, most definitely, Jeepers, he's, he really is yeah. something else. Yeah, um, like, and, and obviously the, the famous, uh, the probably the most notorious incident is where he kidnapped the dentist and, and you know, became known as the Border Fox as he, there was a massive manhunt for him at the time. John O'Grady was his name, the dentist, and he, he chopped off the tops of his fingers and sent them to a cathedral. Um, he was actually, O'Hare was actually given 40 years in prison in 1987 for that kidnap and was released in 2006 under yes. the Good Friday Agreement. He got out at that point. He was the... He was the head of the INLA. He was basically sort of thrown out of the provos because he was too crazy. Yeah, he was, he was, I mean, he was heavily involved in the provos from a very early age. You're talking 16, 17, um, linked to all sorts of, of murders. And, um, you know, really one of those those wildly dangerous people. And then Declan Wacker Duffy, um, who's, who, who's also from... Uh, from the border area. He was also, he was probably Desi O'Hare's sort of sidekick, really. Um, again, he relocated to Dublin uh, in the 2000s and f- and was involved in a in a very, very dangerous feud with Fat Freddy Thompson at the time. Um, he really started extorting money from drug dealers in Dublin as well. Um, he's currently um, serving a prison sentence in England in connection with a, 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 the murder of a, of a soldier in 1992. Um, so Declan, these people are 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 were in in, ter- in crime circles. They were household yeah. names, you know. Yeah, and like okay, so Alan Ryan was putting the heavy on everybody who seemed to have breathed, looking for money. So it, it was never exactly quite clear why I think Mansfield was paying him money, whether it was for protection uh, from other gangs or whether Ryan was. You well, know, I think I think putting the heavy co- on him. Well, in court, it, it found, I suppose, that that Mansfield had said he had very limited interactions with um, Michael Duffy and, and Desi O'Hare in particular. But the court found that Mansfield was aware that 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 the Mansfield business in general had used the the new IRA and the INLA to deal with threats from gangs who claimed the Mansfield that owed them money. And again, that's connected back with, with the Paddy Riley's field where various mm-hmm. people made claims on this and that the court found that that, Man, that the Mansfield organisation had brought in these dissident figures to protect them from those threats and to to uh, to, 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 to act as, as, you know, to give yeah, them security, safety. security, basically. Yes, due, yeah. to, due to their reputation. And the court also found that Mansfield was involved with... Duffy and O'Hare in his efforts to recover assets lost during the crash. Mm. Again, it connected with these disputed parcels of land for the most part. Um, yeah. And he, Mr. Justice Owen, said he was satisfied that the activities of the new IRA and INLA, and I'm reading this out to get it right, mm. were not taking place without Mr. Mansfield's knowledge and approval. 
So that mm. gives you a sense of, of, of what the court determined was the truth in that the, the dissident, the INLA, the, the, real, the new IRA, as, as the, the, the real IRA became, mm. were involved in this, uh, which I think it's fair to say, murky business involving disputed assets that, that, that mm-hmm. different people wanted to, make, to lay claim to. So in short, really, what was at the heart of this, this case was that uh, Mansfield had hired... Uh, Wacker Duffy and Desi O'Hare and he had brought Martin Byrne uh, now the state witness formerly his father's head of security to meet them um, that he they had then kidnapped Byrne beat him up brought him back tried to evict him from a property he was living in which was on the, the Mansfield land and they both pleaded guilty in recent years to that their roles in that kidnap and everybody else involved in it has also been processed through the courts. Um, now, at dispute was Byrne's allegations that Mansfield knew he was basically giving yes. him over as such to this gang. Um, and I think the special criminal court um, felt that there was, uh, there remained kind of an element of doubt as to whether or not Mansfield did know what was going to happen. There was no dispute over the fact that he he did bring him to meet Desi O'Hare. Yes. And the court accepted that. But they did they just felt that there was room for, for doubt um as regards whether he, he knew what was going to happen next. Yes. Yeah, so I mean like you know the special criminal court's no different from any criminal court in in in, in Ireland that Guilt has to be proved beyond a reasonable doubt. Um, and the court felt there was a doubt that they, they, what was going to happen, that Manfield, that it could be proven that Mansfield knew that that was going to happen. Um, what was not in doubt was that, um, that, that Mansfield had knowingly uh, employed these people and that, for for example, that Mr. Justice Owen said the involvement of dangerous players like O'Hare and Duffy meant it was unlikely that Mansfield gave an honest account to Gardee. But any lies he told were not sufficient to establish that he was guilty of involvement in a plot to, to, to kidnap Mr. Byrne. So they made a distinction between um, knowingly having these people involved but also said that it couldn't be proven out a doubt that he knew that Mr. Byrne was going to be kidnapped. However, so he was found not guilty. Um, um, however, in relation there, to that, yeah. However, there was a second charge um, to do with perverting the course of justice in which he was found guilty. Mm, mm. You know, the timing of all this, we, we spoke about pre-2011 when they went into... Um, when they went into receivership uh, uh, before and after it, two very different uh, lifestyles and, and really worlds existed for the Mansfields. But I thought what was always very poignant in, in, in the middle of all of this scenario that was coming out in the court was the fact that, you know, if, if you place yourself back into Saggart House as the family home, and that was where... Um, Jim Mansfield Jr. ended up living with his with his mother and father actually after Palmerstown House was was taken as part of the receivership. So he went back to live there and Jim Mansfield Sr. was obviously involved in the immediate negotiations and the trying to claw back some of the family wealth and trying to come up with scenarios on how to do that. But the the sort of the giant that was his father fell to illness during this period of time when when 
this situation just seemed to get messier and messier with even ever more different groupings of paramilitary seemed to be kind of circling like vultures around that house, which was, you know, the family seat of power, which was full with priceless antiques and works of art and which the father had spent a lifetime building up. And and here you could just see it all crumbling as as he was becoming sicker and sicker. And obviously he had to pull out of the negotiations. I think the last year of his life, he was he was very seriously ill. And all this was going on sort of around him in the house while he was dying, basically. And he did indeed die at the house in, in January of 2014. Um, and a year later, um, in January of 2015, we know that the house was searched by the Criminal Assets Bureau. And, um, you know, all this, this these incidents sort of, uh, you know, emerged. And it was hard really to believe it until we heard it being stated as fact in court that all this had happened. Yeah, I mean, obviously, uh, Jim Mansfield Jr. went from being linked to people who were appearing in in nightclubs in 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 the city centre, Katie French, and various other people who owned name. But you know that that was that was where he had been appearing on the the social pages of the Sunday Indo, really. Um, mm. But not the Sunday world now. Not the Sunday world. No, he's ended up in the Sunday world. Um, he's ended up in the Sunday world, but not in the social pages, unfortunately for him. The you know during the the course of the um of the the evidence that was given, there was at one point evidence given in relation to Martin Byrne, who is kind of like emerged as a, a whistleblower, really out of the whole scenario after this kidnap happened. I mean, he was dreadfully traumatized by it him and his family. And as I said to you at the beginning of this, he's been in witness protection ever since, um, which is a very serious place for, a, a you know, an individual to find himself. He He's not a, a criminal in any way, Martin Byrne. He was an employee um, at the Mansfield City West property. But at one point during the evidence, it was heard that he has given 16 statements to the Criminal Assets Bureau. So clearly... Um, that that search that we reported on at the time has been followed up by by further investigations and it remains to be seen if anything comes of that. So for the moment, Mansfield, does he got to stay in prison until February or can he appeal to somebody or someone somewhere to get his bail? Well, I, 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 I don't think so um, because he's been, he's been, you know, and I mean, who knows what the court will say and, you know, the perverting the course of justice is it can it can lead to very short prison terms and also quite longer ones. So that'll be up to the court to determine. But his um his 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 legal team did ask for him to be given bail until the, the, the charge was was laid. But the fact that he's that he's been brought in would in, would indicate um to mm. serve to serve time in in, in while he awaits sentencing, it would indicate that a prison term is most likely. I mean, it's it's. it's I don't think that's mm. unfair to say that. So it's a it's a different world. Um, but you know, as you said, Martin Byrne, um, of which obviously Jim Mansfield was found not guilty of being involved in that kidnapping. But some of the the evidence of the initial trial, which Desi O'Hara and, and Wyker Duffy are both serving prison sentences for. I mean, it was a savage, savage beating. And it can't be underestimated how not just the, the physical effect of being suffering that kind of uh, attack, but seeing people that 
those people coming at you. I mean, there's mm. no doubt that 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 must be a huge. Oh move. God. The mental trauma from that, I'm sure yeah. I'm sure he relives it all the time. Interesting the way the judges were very, you know, I, I, I felt that they were very much saying that they believed, they believed Martin Byrne, they believed he was telling the truth. Yeah, I mean, I think they did, they did make that clear. Um, it's interesting that, you know, if obviously if that had come before a jury, um, a jury will find you're not guilty or guilty. And um, mm. that, that, you know, the facts of the case... A jury don't make determinations on on in the same way. Yeah. So I mean, what were you calling it? Fact evidence was was rather well, as part of the judgment, was it? Well, I mean, they've they've kind of they've they've looked at what was said and they've made determinations on what on what what is the case. Um, you know, for for example, determining that 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 uh, that Mr. Mansfield gave a, a dishonest account to Gardee. Um, so. You know, it's 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 an interesting judgment. Um, mm. You know, it's there's 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 a lot to read in there, and yeah, it's it's. I think it's a it's it's a remarkable case, really, um, because in Ireland we've tended to, you know, in America and some other countries, we've tended to see that interaction between the very wealthy and the the, the criminality come before the courts and in the UK. But I can't really think of another case in Ireland where where those two worlds have 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 come together in that way. Have collided in such a way. Um, interestingly, at one point over the summer, because this case has been going on for a long time and it kept getting very long adjournments, um, and Mansfield, as his, his legal team pointed out, has adhered to all his bail conditions all the way along. But I remember at one point he was requesting permission to travel to Marbs for his uh, holidays in the middle of the trial. So, you know, it is a very different place he is in now in... Um, Cloverhill Prison for the next three weeks, eating porridge with his fellow lads. No carbs and marbs, but there might be some in Wheatfield. There certainly will. Um, we'll be interested to see what what happens, uh, you know, next and what sort of a sentence he gets. Um, I'm sure his family have been very shocked by, you know, the 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 guilty verdict in relation to that charge and the fact that he's in custody. Um, but he will have a couple of weeks anyway to get used to it uh, before he hears if it's if, if he's going to have a, a longer stay at the um, the expense of the taxpayer. Yeah, the sentencing hearing is is going to be on February the seventh. So yeah, we'll come back then and have another little another little chit chat about him. Okay, thanks, Niall. Thanks, Nicola. You've been listening to Crime World, a podcast from sundayworld.com. Produced by Ian Mullaney and edited by me, Nicola Talent. If you like the podcast and love true crime, why not download the free sundayworld.com app for lots more stories from Ireland and across the globe. <laughs>